0: Okay. Um, I'm just going to be straight up honest here. I hope it's okay with you. Um, Today's guest is Reverend um, Angela Tyler Williams. And um, I got an email that said, can I be on your podcast? (laughs) And I don't always respond to those. So, um, so lovely. I guess sometimes I'm like, oh my God, leave me alone. And I got your email and I was like, of course you can be on my podcast. <laughs> a so, compelling ask. <laughs> so now here we are and we have a lot in common. We have a lot of differences um, and we're just going to have a straight up um, raw, real conversation for the listeners. Um, I will let you introduce yourself um but Angela is a um a well I'll just read her Instagram and you should all go follow <laughs> lover of humanity music and laughter queer feminist striving to be anti-racist which actually is funny because I was like aren't we all and I was like no we're not which is a real bummer I wish we were <laughs> Um and a huge link between us is um that you are the co-director for sacred repro. So just put a little under. Do you call that thing an underscore? The little underliney thing. Sacred (laughs) 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 underscore repro. Yeah, that. Yeah. So go find all the Instagrams and um, why don't you introduce yourself in a way that feels right for today's conversation. Now that I've jumbled us to this
1: point. It's only the beginning. We get to Mm. take the journey from here. (laughs) So I am Reverend Angela Tyler Williams. My pronouns are she and her. I'm a queer Presbyterian pastor and community organizer. um, And I think might become relevant to this Conversation, a recently trained coach. um, Mm. (laughs) She'll be fine. I currently serve as the co director for movement building at SACRED, the spiritual alliance of communities for reproductive Mm. dignity. Mm. And SACRED is a national alliance of organizations, academic, academics, religious leaders, and congregations working together to advance the cause of reproductive justice through congregational designation and community building programs. Mm-hmm. And so we are working to empower faith communities to become loving, justice-seeking congregations that mm-hmm. fully support the fulfillment of reproductive moral agency and flourishing for all.
0: Beautiful. Um, my ears were like movement building. (laughs) That's what I need. Can I just ask you all my questions about building a movement?
1: (laughs) Oh man. I can, we can (laughs) do all of that. We can go down that road, (laughs)
0: man. Um, okay. Well, I always like to assume that what's meant to be shared with today's audience is just what will come up. Um, most of my listeners have had abortions, Many of my listeners support people who've had abortions. Um, Most people are finding me because they're in the complex feelings of the post-abortion time, either because they're realizing they made a choice they wish they hadn't made or felt sort of locked into, or because they did make the right choice and they're just a human feeling some feelings (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the world And the narrative about abortion didn't prepare them to feel Mm. sad and to feel um, some shift in identity and to feel, right? So I'll say that, um, yeah, most of us who continue to show up to listen to this podcast or who are finding it um, are in the complexity of feeling post-abortion. So what do you feel like you have to offer them? today like what what do they want to hear from you
1: yeah it's a good question and I I think I can do a little bit more introduction of how I come into this work and the ways that I um, lead sacred but also am a clergy counselor um, for people in that situation as well Um, so I am a Presbyterian pastor I'm the child of a Presbyterian pastor and a teacher um and grew up in the presbyterian church and mainline christianity um my entire life and the church has always felt like a home for me Mm -hmm. but even then and 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 i am a liberal who was always raised in conservative spaces Mm. um so i'm used to being sort of a misfit (laughs) in lots of different ways yeah um and that's before I even knew I was queer, <laughs> but maybe, you know, that's one of the threads yeah. that experience. Um, and, and so I always knew, I, I, so my religious experience is not one of conservative Christianity or a fundamentalism or evangelicalism, but I didn't really know what we did stand for. You know, I, I never, um, I was always a very strong ally of the LGBTQ community. Before mm-hmm. I realized I was bi. Um, and never had like, I was like, yeah, but my like my God is love and my God doesn't mm-hmm. hate gay people. And my God, uh, you know, we I was not getting this like indoctrination into a pro-life or anti-abortion message yeah. from my yeah. congregation. Um, but then I graduated from college and sort of was launched into the world the same summer that Michael Brown was murdered. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was was my own sort of deconstruction. Well, okay, if I don't believe these more hardcore things, what is the foundation of my belief? And I Mm -hmm. was surrounded by progressive people who have been fighting for social justice from their faith perspective for a long time um and standing up to powers and principalities that were there to oppress and have been formed by those kinds of folks for my entire life um and then started to learn a little bit more about things like liberation theology and black mm. theology and womanist <laughs> theology and feminist theology and ego theology um and queer theology and all of these other ways of being that could be a little bit more constructive um And so I went to seminary and had focused a lot on different social justice issues along the way, learned a lot about um, climate justice and struggled for that, and organized around homelessness and affordable housing um, in Washington, D.C., and met with a lot of women who uh, would tell me stories of their lives living on the streets and the Mm. impact not having access to public bathrooms or the ways their bodies were violated um living in a vulnerable state um and then in seminary the my first semester of seminary was the 2016 election um in texas Mm, and good times oh that was it was a time um and so sort of immigration became really important to us as Mm. folks were getting locked up in cages and separated from their families. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, continuing this struggle, uh, to, to become more anti-racist, to dismantle white supremacy and seeing all these different systems and structures that impacted that. Um, I came out while I was in seminary and did not, I never had any sort of negative experiences because I was queer, but it was more the ways that I was rabble rousing for other issues, um, particularly around race and accessibility, Mm -hmm. um, that I started feeling some pushback, um, from powers that be. And so I can't, so how do I get into this work? And this will all make sense in one moment. (laughs) Um, I had an internship, uh, in seminary with a political advocacy organization that worked with faith communities in Texas on LGBTQ equality and reproductive health rights and justice. And at first mm-hmm. I was focusing more on the LGBTQ um, side and getting congregations to come to the legislature and speak out. We were, um hoping another bathroom bill was not going to come. Um, and in the midst of that, I learned about reproductive health rights and justice. I was at a compassionate care workshop, again, training to become a pastor Um, wanting to care for people throughout their lifespan. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned about this framework of reproductive justice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've said all of this, and I haven't used the word abortion yet. Um, We didn't talk about it. Like it was a, it was something, but I had Mm -hmm. never gotten the moral and theological grounding. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, politically, I was personally pro-choice. I had mm-hmm. sort of wrestled if I ever were to become pregnant and I didn't want to, cause I was 16 or whatever, like, what would I do? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I would do it. Maybe it wouldn't. Um, but, but even throughout seminary and from the church, we'd had no conversation around abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't have a strong grounding to support. Yeah. Why does my faith support abortion access? Why does my faith support, um, giving women and pregnant people, the moral agency, trusting their moral agency to make decisions that are best for their lives and their families. And so I'm in this, um, workshop and learning about reproductive justice as a framework. If your folks aren't familiar with it, it's a framework developed by 12 black women in 1994, um, who said the, the feminist movement isn't working for me. It's not representing the needs of our full lives and our communities and our families. And so reproductive justice is a framework that is broad and intersectional at the intersections of human rights, social justice, and reproductive rights. And the four tenets are um, the right to have children, mm-hmm. the right not to have children, the right to parent the children we do have in safe and sustainable communities, and the right to bodily autonomy. And so Sister Song is the national reproductive justice organization um, that really holds this work and drives it forward as a movement in this country. Mm-hmm. And so when I learned the, that framework, when I learned those four tenets, that's what broke everything open for me. Mm-hmm. I had been working on all of these other social justice issues because of my deeply held faith beliefs, because I knew that God loves people who live on the margins because God has a preferential option for the poor and and, and that God cares for the oppressed. And so if I believe all of these other things, how can I put up a line and say, Oh, except for this decision on abortion. Yeah. Like it just, well, of course, God is with the person making that decision, whatever their decision is. Of course, God wants you to make the decision that's best for your flourishing and for your future and for your family. Um, and, and that just broke it all open for me and helped me to see that the way that we've been living, the systems, the messages we've been hearing, um, the stories we've been telling ourselves are totally insufficient.
0: hmm
1: And so the work that I got involved in, in Texas, and now uh, going more nationally with sacred is to start changing that conversation, to change the culture, to shift the narrative on what it means to be a person of faith who also supports abortion access, the full spectrum of reproductive justice, and how can we equip faith communities to better hear those messages, teach and preach those messages, provide pastoral care and spiritual care to people going through those journeys. And I think the, um, and another part of my work is that I'm a clergy counselor for Faith Allowed. It's a national talk line for people um, who are just like the folks you were describing, who have had abortions or are considering any, any type of parenting or pregnancy decision, um, you can call the faith allowed clergy talk Mm -hmm. line and I didn't know about this talk line. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've got a shift, uh, once or twice a month and I'm taking calls and hearing from folks who are wrestling with this and, you know, it's really the work that I'm doing is what needs to happen with sacred in particular is what needs to happen all the time, all over everywhere. The work that happens sort of on the talk line is a very specific in the moment, what is needed. Yeah. Um, I can't go and when I'm listening to folks, I can't say, well, you know, here's actually what the scripture says. <laughs> here's why you can let go of all this shame, judgment, and stigma. It's too late. That does yeah. not matter. <laughs> yeah. That That is not going to cut through to what someone is experiencing in the all of the many feelings they're experiencing all at once mm-hmm. um when they decide to call us um but for congregations who care for people and are a community of people who love each other and, and love the divine you are walking with them throughout their lifetimes mm-hmm. and yeah. there are so many reproductive decisions mm-hmm. that we make and so what we're trying to do is create and hold space for courageous conversations, free from shame, judgment, and stigma where folks can bring their full selves. And so that if, when someone, uh, for whatever reason, uh, comes to a place and they say, well, am I going to terminate this pregnancy or am I going to keep it going forward? It is but one decision in a whole lifetime, a whole constellation. Yeah. And, And what, but one point in a whole set of encounters you've had with this community Mm -hmm. um and and so how do we make spaces that are rooted in liberation and flourishing Mm. and thriving so that when you get to that point yeah you have a different script (sighs) uh you have you have like oh no i do have i have heard a good story about someone whose life um who, who had an abortion and went on to live a flourishing life or someone who suffered um, miscarriage or infertility and still found a way to connect with their family, with their partner or created the family they wanted to create, you know, that there are different stories out there. Yeah. And we just need to create space and really be able to hold those full of all the different emotions um, that folks are carrying with them. Mm. That's so
0: good. Yeah. So it's like, building the foundation that will hold them when and if they need it versus yeah. like you're saying the talk line work and the work that i do is more like survival versus systems like right now we're in it and we need to figure out how to right. survive and eventually how to thrive but there's really big difference in that kind of work it's like what do we need right now or what might we need in the future? How can we set ourselves up? Like, all mm-hmm. oh, that is really, really beautiful work. Um, is, m- my brain also wants to go to like, that's the work we should be. And, you know, I'm using my little air-coating things. <laughs> Doing in schools too, Mm, mm -hmm. right? In our faith communities and our education communities, it's doing this work of building spaces centered in liberation. Like, Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be so? My brain's like, who's doing this work in schools? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because I'm not a religious person or I'm not of an organized religion, I'm like, who's doing this work in schools?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and as we, I mean, schools have just been the battleground for so long, um, in some really hard ways. And we're watching another backlash of that. And so, I don't know, I grew up in the South, uh, and had non-existent, <laughs> non-existent sex education. <laughs> um, it was pretty horrifying for so many reasons. I did a health class over the summer. And so this guy who was totally not a qualified teacher was the one who did it. And, he was actually a pretty fundamentalist Christian, and literally just skipped over the chapter. It was like, "Look, here's a pretty picture of someone in rollerblades and she's riding a horse. next chapter, <laughs> like don't have sex, you will get climity, and you will die <laughs> oh, um and that was it of my eight day summer yeah. school health class in high school as was like a sixteen year old um yeah, which is so harmful. So I mean, yes, we need to do these in schools, but are there, what are the other ways?" in my lane is in congregations, but there's a fabulous program called our whole lives that was developed Mm -hmm. by the Unitarian Universalist association and the United church of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, that, um, I don't know how like explicitly religious it is, but I think it's more values based Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, if the schools aren't going to provide this comprehensive sex positive, like body affirming, rooted in liberation and flourishing, um, sex education, where else can we do it? And our lives is really brilliant because it is really a full lifespan curriculum. So they've got it for children, but they also have it for older adults as we continue Discovering our bodies, discovering our desires, discovering our relationships, and what do we need, and how can we be intimate with each other, um, in a way that honors us and and honors our partners. Um, so what can happen in schools, but what also can happen in communities outside of, you know, those are very convenient, helpful institutions and structures. Um, and I want them to be better, and I celebrate everyone. I mean, that. it
0: probably is one of the biggest struggles my clients face is, mm. is working between their religious upbringing and then their actual lived reality
1: mm-hmm.
0: is like mm-hmm. everything I learned in my found religious foundation does not match my lived experience and the messiness and complexity of that. And now, right. what? <laughs> right. So it's just, I'm just really so, so grateful for you doing this work and so supportive of expanding it in all the places.
1: Well, and I'll, I'll say part of how this work got started in sort of a congregational designation way, um, was seeing that we've had five decades of organizing in denominations and individual churches and different religious traditions for LGBTQ inclusion and expanding the table, expanding our welcome. Every single religious tradition or denomination has some sort of official group that is Working for that, so you've got more like Presbyterians in the Covenant Network. You've got Open and Affirming, Welcome and Affirming, uh, Reconciling in Christ, Reconciling Ministries Network. Like every single <laughs> one has their own group. Yeah, and we really credit the massive cultural shift on LGBTQ equality that you know culminated in marriage equality um, in 2015 with Obergefell v. Hodges but now we're seeing some backsliding and like some backlash against that with all the anti-trans attacks. Um, and still just a few weeks ago, Congress had this vote for the first time in years, the first time since Obergefell V Hodges. And it's like, Oh, we might actually be able to codify same-sex marriage. My marriage might actually stay legal. (laughs) What? Um, but I really credit that with all of these different people in communities who are already in relationship with each other coming together and being a little bit more honest and open and saying, no, I'm gay. My kid is gay. And I still love them. Like you raised me with these values, with these stories from our tradition, like you formed me. How are you going to shun me, cast me out now? Um, And so that has just been so successful in getting the conversation to change and the culture Mm -hmm. to change. And so that's what we're really trying to do um, when we are talking about abortion and our bodies and our reproductive lives and weaving those together with our faith lives and saying, it's not God is over here and my body and my sex life is over here. It's how do we weave these things together because we know when, as, as a pastor, as a pastoral care provider, when you get into a crisis, you are going to fall back on those deeply held Mm -hmm. and ingrained messages. And so even if people are leaving their, um, churches or faith communities that they were raised in, even if you're leaving that you have not rewritten those scripts. And so when push comes to shove, it's like, well, I know this is the best decision for myself. and oh, God probably hates me and I'm probably going to hell.
0: Yes. Like, that's exactly what it sounds like. You sound like a client who comes to me.
1: Yeah. Like, I know I made the best decision for me
0: and now God hates me.
1: Like, oh, oh my heart. Right. And so, so we've got to rewrite those scripts. And, and, and again, it, if we're going to parallel with the LGBTQ and faith movement, like there has been so much work done on what we call the clobber passages that are seven passages that have historically oh. been used to like clobber up queer folks up against the head and say, Oh my God, you're going I to never help. heard that. <laughs> oh yes. It's a mess. Clobber passages. Um, wow. but like, they're not, that's not what they don't say what you think. Like, <laughs> Tell me you misunderstood the assignment. (laughs) That's what it is. You missed the part where Right. Like these are mistranslated, (laughs) like homosexuality is not in the Bible until 1946. Like, come on, y'all. Um and, and so they've been used in that way, but we had to do some of those apologetics work. And now um there are some folks who still need the like, let's take each of these passages one by one and deconstruct them and What does this say? How is this word translated? Is that like accurate to any other way we've ever seen it translated stuff like that. Um, But then there's also folks who are like, I don't even want to mess with that. Let's just talk about liberation. Let's just talk about abundance. Let's Mm -hmm. start from a place of flourishing. Let's start from a place that LGBTQ Mm -hmm. people are good. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that is the world I want to see. And I want to help create around abortion and our reproductive lives. But we also have to do that apologetics level work Um, we have to write new scripts. We've got to tell different stories. We have to look at the abortion clobber passages and be like, is that really what it's saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's gotta be a both and, and and to get that message out more, um, widely and broadly. So the folks have at least had an exposure to like, oh yeah, I think that one person one time maybe said abortion was a moral and social good. Huh? (laughs) Huh? maybe I could keep reading. Maybe I have heard something else before, (laughs) you know, when they find themselves in any situation and, uh, where they're wrestling with it.
0: Yeah. Um, because my listeners are coming to me more in the, um, more in the kind of, uh, survival stage of
1: like,
0: Mm. oh shit, like things Mm -hmm. got things got wacky I need help that's more the line of work you do with Faith Allowed so Mm -hmm. I'm just curious if there are kind of things you find yourself saying over and over and over again like what are the common threads in that work for you that might be helpful for our listeners to know
1: um we do a lot of normalizing and validating Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's normal. It's okay to feel those feelings. Um, it's okay to feel complicated about this. Mm -hmm. Um, I find, yeah, folks, folks arrive in a variety of different places and are also like want to go from this point to a lot of different places. Some Mm -hmm. people are like, yeah, maybe I'm regretting this decision. Well, maybe I should go get pregnant immediately again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <Yes. laughs> what? Like, okay, let's, That that's an option. You could go that route, mm-hmm. but like just sort of sitting with it. I think that's, I mean, that's the main bulk of the work is just presence yeah. of just being with someone and being like, no, you're not alone. No, you're not crazy yeah. for what you're feeling and experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's you know the biggest value I think in the work that we do there um because we know there are limits to that you know we're a talk line like I'm not going to be your best friend that you can call up and text (laughs) at 2 a.m um yeah when the 2 a.m thoughts start racing yeah
0: um I love one of the two of the words I use like just over and over and over again with my clients um when you know it feels really good to hear someone on the other side validate where you're at and be with you and see you Mm -hmm. but then when you're alone it's really hard to feel the same way you felt when you were (laughs) on the phone with them and so sometimes my clients will try and Use what felt so good in a session or when they call faith aloud alone, and it doesn't work quite the same. Mm
1: -hmm. And I have two
0: favorite words that, um, oops, um, that are coming up for me here, which is just like to remind yourself it's possible I'm not alone Mm. instead of like I'm not alone because then your brain is like, "Mm -mm, I am alone. No one has ever felt this way before. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one God hates like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to bridge that gap of like the relief you feel in a coaching call or on the phone with Angela versus that time at two in the morning, like you're saying, when you're alone, is just, it's possible. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. It's possible. My feelings are valid. It's possible. Mm-hmm. God loves me. Yeah. Like just kind of bridging that gap of like, let me just calm my nervous system a little right. bit right. by opening to this possibility. It's possible the Bible doesn't prove that, you know, have, mm-hmm. isn't full of clobber passages. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I don't, that whole world is a, a bit of a mystery to me, but like just injecting that, like, how do I calm the part of me who was raised to believe these things right. enough that I can make room to find liberation, yeah.
1: yeah that reminds me of um part of Brene Brown's work where she's gets at the same sort of thing. like the story I'm telling myself is, yeah, like this is the story I'm telling myself yes, in this moment. so totally. it doesn't mean it's a hundred percent true. It doesn't mean it's a hundred percent false, but this yes. is the story I'm telling myself. And when we can get to that, um, when you can get it, it hel- almost helps you like remove yourself a little bit, yes, like not agreed. be so in your brain, in your little bubble that you've created, and like get a little bit of distance. Yes, just like go up, you're, you're just going up a, a staircase and totally. looking down on yourself. Yeah, like, I love oh. that.
0: Yeah, just a little bit of yeah.
1: distance from the moment.
0: Yeah, I like to, um, right. The story I'm telling myself is that you know, that I am unforgivable, maybe that's an example, mm. right? The story I'm telling myself mm-hmm. is that I am unforgivable. Another one I use a lot is like, I'm thinking the thought I am unforgivable. Doesn't mm. mean I am unforgivable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just thinking the thought I am. Mm-hmm. unforgivable. That's a big difference. It's like, yeah, those are words. It, uh, it, do you know um, Eckhart Tolle, Tolle's work at all?
1: I don't think so. Okay.
0: Well, that reminds me of his work. It's like you, you are the person thinking the thought, but then you're also the person listening to yourself thinking. The thought. Oh yes. <laughs> yes.
1: I don't know the person, but I'm very familiar with that concept. <laughs> right.
0: It's, like, it's that kind of like, I'm thinking the thought that I am unforgivable versus mm-hmm. I am unforgivable, which we know is not true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say, yeah. so I'm a Presbyterian pastor, so I'm a Christian. And so mm-hmm. if I'm speaking with someone who is a Christian, um, there are, and who has indicated, um, this part is actually, I see some, a lot of similarities with coaching of like, I am just meeting you where you are and you get to guide us and wherever you go, I'll go with you and offer yeah. things up. So if someone has shared with me, they're a Christian or some of these struggles are coming from a Christian understanding and that there's some scripture or they've asked like, what does the Bible say about this kind of thing? Um, There's a couple of things. Let's start specifically with that. I'm unforgivable one.
0: Um,
1: I say, okay, do you remember that time in the Bible where the disciples are asking Jesus and they say, Hey, Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive? And they're like seven times, like, no, it is 70 times, seven times. And, you know, if I am so unforgivable, but Jesus, if our God, if our relationship with the divine is telling us, teaches us, we are to forgive each other 70 times, seven times. How much more can God forgive us. Like that is the beauty of grace. Mm -hmm. Um, again, a very Christian concept, but, um, it's not fair. Like you just get it. It's just a gift. Like you don't have to go and work hard for it and, and do all of their pending. It is just God's gift to you. Yeah. You know, it's grace. Uh, You don't have to earn, you don't have to strive. You don't have to do all 30 good works for this one decision that you consider to be bad. Like yeah. there's so much more forgiveness. Yeah. Um, And I also talk with folks who are, who feel really lonely and yeah. isolated yeah. and separated from whether it's God, their family, their partner, their life, everyone else in the world who is not going through, this situation with them, like how in the world can you just go out and walk your dog and get coffee? What? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for them, I remind us of um Romans eight, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find.
0: Why is that so I'm not raised with these yeah. passages or but why is that so hard to believe? Like Ugh. When, when you're raised in a church that, that has a passage that, is that even the word passage? Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's right. That has a passage that says nothing can separate us. What did you say from God's love? Mm-hmm. From, uh, and then you're also raised in a church that has a passage that's like a little less clear or like maybe you could m- interpret in other ways. Like, why mm-hmm. do we grasp on to the one that does not serve us? Mm -hmm. it's just like plain as day right there
1: but that's not the one we focus on look (laughs) we can go into all sorts of things of how we can go into protestant work ethic we can go into white supremacy (laughs) like like what are the, the what's behind that is this message of and again let me back let me back the bible is a library it's a full library Mm. of different books with different authors from different times written to different communities um and so it's there's plenty of wisdom there and folks have been preaching on highlighting different themes and passages and you know demoting different themes and passages throughout all of time and space and history
0: yeah
1: but i think especially if we're talking about the u.s and the ways um our religions have been malformed and have malformed us Mm -hmm. it is because it's working towards a different end than the glory of god Mm -hmm. um it, it, it could be that it's working toward an end of capitalism yeah it could yeah. be that it's working toward an end of dominionism mm-hmm. of you know yeah so it's almost hierarchy like, and patriarchy
0: yeah the faith belief gets outweighed by the capitalist belief gets outweighed by the white supremacist belief gets outweighed by the patriarchal belief and so all that's happening is like you're giving more weight and credit to the shit that was fed you versus this like
1: yeah right well and I do think there's a real harm that has been done particularly to women and those socialized as women that this authority has to come from someone outside of you it has to come from an outside god that you know who I affectionately call Sky Daddy. <laughs> Sky Daddy, that's fantastic. Um, like people that- like you make <laughs> me like
0: religion a lot more.
1: <laughs> so if you've got you know white old man Sky Daddy with his beard yeah. sitting on his throne, like yeah. and he's the one telling you what to do, and so if if you ascribe all your authority to that, and and you say, well, I can't trust myself because what myself is telling, what my gut is telling me, what my um protective defenses are telling me that this is not a safe experience that this person touching me in this way does not feel good to me, but I need to lessen myself to increase someone else. And that someone else is is a partner is a man is a, Mm -hmm. you know, like that is also in the Bible. Like it can be interpreted and worked in that way. Um, and so if we have been so conditioned to not trust the wisdom, the divinity that is inside of us, uh-huh. then it makes it really hard to. Th- then the message that we get is, "You are not worthy. You are not beloved. You are not enough." And that that is a true message that has been preached all over the place. Because you don't, you are not enough because you need this. Well, yes, <laughs> I do need God and I do need other people. Yeah. that does not mean that I am not enough and I am not beloved and I am not worthy but those messages have been really um they've been really successful at getting those messages ingrained into us and the question I ask is like okay who is benefiting from this who benefits Mm, from us yeah keeping ourselves small yeah
0: yeah
1: like to what end to the end that we can have more laborers produce more things to get more billionaires, more profits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That doesn't actually seem like it's in my self-interest. Yeah. yep. Mm.
0: This is the part where I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. We could, of course we could talk for hours and hours more. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that popped up. What was that Romans passage that you said? God, I am. I
1: Okay. They've got a brand new um, I am, edition.
0: I'm. I'm, um, I'm something always connected
1: to god or yeah yeah, yeah. there's a whole where is it it's even broken too okay we're gonna like edit this part out and then i'll have magically found it and just read the whole thing (laughs) okay i don't
0: my i don't care my listeners don't care what's the summary oh no
1: it's so it's 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 so so powerful (laughs) when i freaking find it Oh, there you go. Okay. 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 For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, mm. our Lord. Okay.
0: So my original question was the person on the other end of the phone calling you in faith aloud immediately is like yeah but oh yeah oh yeah yeah but <laughs> right yeah but not me exactly <laughs> there's a little exception <laughs>
1: that's for me my Yeah, my right this is
0: my second abortion yeah but I I knew I shouldn't have had sex or whatever the thing is right mm-hmm. and so um it's some version of like yeah but I should have known better and I think we can change that. One way we can soften that is like, yeah, and I could have chosen differently. Doesn't mean I should have chosen differently. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's just changing the but to an and and the should to a could. It's just like, yeah, all the things were on the table. Mm -hmm. Fine. Like, I'll give you that you could have chosen differently, but it doesn't mean you should have chosen Mm -hmm. differently. It just means you're human. Um, so anyway, yeah, I was just imagining those people who read the passages that so clearly offer God's love or remind Mm -hmm. the offering of God's love. Um, And then our reaction is like very defensive. It's like, yeah, but not me. I'm the special unicorn (laughs) who's made too many mistakes or too many, whatever it is. Yeah.
1: Well, I think a a thread both in the Faith Loud Work and in Sacred is we are always planting seeds for healing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We're always planting those seeds. And and so whether it's talking with someone um, who's sort of in the middle of it, in the muck of it Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or working with a congregation that's trying to discern are we going to publicly become a sacred congregation Mm -hmm. it takes time Yeah. yeah it takes so much time and you can you can say something and this is sort of i will go back to another religious um thing what is the fruit of it what 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 um, what kind of fruit does this kind of conversation bear? What Mm -hmm. kind of fruit does this Mm -hmm. line of thinking bear? Does it bear good fruit, Mm -hmm. a healing, liberating, flourishing fruit that, Mm -hmm. that you can eat to sustain you into the next phase of your life? Or does it bear rotten fruit that leads to more shame and more stigma and more judgment and more spiraling? Um, what what is the fruit?
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. What what fruit does this narrative bear? What fruit mm-hmm. does this belief bear? What fruit fruit does this um cycle bear? I mean, you can put like mm-hmm. anything in there. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, like I said, we could talk forever. Is there anything <laughs> you haven't said that's really important that you want a listener to hear right now um, before they go find you and follow all the things?
1: Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're in the muck of it, whether it's your 2 p.m. or your 2 a.m. brain, and especially if there's some religious part of those um messages you're telling yourself, know that you are beloved, mm-hmm. you are worthy, you are enough, mm-hmm. and that God is with you every single step of the way.
0: And if it's hard for you to believe that at 2 a.m., just add it's possible.
1: (laughs) Mm. Is it possible? It's possible Um, that God is with you right now.
0: I love too. How is God with me right now? Mm. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Beautiful. I feel like that little clip that you just shared needs to be like a Instagram reel so people can just listen to it on repeat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, someone finds me more time, I'll go make some more social media content. <laughs> you know,
0: right. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so, what's the place you like to send people to find you and more of your work and connections to the places?
1: Yeah, you can find me personally at Rev Angela tw on instagram and on twitter um you can find uh i actually have a series on tiktok um my wife and i have at queer lady church nice. a whole series on what does the bible say about abortion um oh, that damn, i just
0: that's so good <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, post every so often uh she's also, she's an episcopal priest so yeah. we're a love queer lady wow okay so couple.
0: Episcopal priest and a Presbyterian pastor. Unite. Walk into a
1: bar. They are in married church. <laughs>
0: That's so good. I love it. But, um, well, I'm yeah.
1: Anywhere and else. And then you can follow Sacred. Uh, we are on all of the platforms. Nope. We're on Twitter and Instagram at sacred underscore repro and on Facebook at sacred repro no underscore. Um awesome. And at sacreddignity.org, get on our email list, learn about our curriculum, Mm -hmm. uh, join our events that we're going to be having as they come up. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for being in the world. And um, yeah, lots more to come.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's Mm -hmm. been a delight.
0: Mm -hmm.